0: Another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. We are connecting with you, Italian football fans from all over the world. So much to cover uh, from Euro 2020. And of course, I'm fully repping the Azzurri today. Six uh, plus six, um, you know, in the plus minus so far. Two victories looking absolutely dominant. We got, of course, Jerry Mancini, my co-host, as always. We've got Roberto Rojas from BN Sports and Low Limit Football. We got Austin Robillard, my main man down here locally with me in South Florida from the Five Reasons Sports Network. Uh, before we uh, we bring in our special guests and let them introduce ourselves, Jerry, are they still partying in the Toronto area? Did you drive through Woodbridge yesterday? Were they honking their horns and displaying their flags? Like I don't think any cities in Italy. Celebrate as much as Woodbridge, Ontario, Canada celebrates. Did you drive through those scenes?
1: <laughs> I I used to be that guy when I was younger. Um, so it's really from my parents' house to Woodbridge Market Lane. I would say it's three minute drive. That's oh, nice. all it is. Yeah, walking distance, maybe twenty minutes, and like it's crazy. Back in the day, it was worse than that. Like crazy, where you could even get on the street, bumper to bumper. I'm a I'm a firm guy. Now that I don't, I don't go honking during the group stage. It's too <laughs> premature for me. Like, it's, no, wait till the knockout stage. Yeah, right. it's it's bad luck. I find man, it's like karma. It's <laughs> I, I don't know, man. And for me, yeah, okay, I'm I'm happy with how I think Italy's been the best team in the Euros. Personally, I don't care who they play. I hate this notion that oh, you played the easiest teams. Well, hey, hold
0: the- on. let me let me interrupt you for a second because obviously. Like you, I don't want to count my chickens before they're hatched, and I do want to see once they start facing in the knockout stages the elite competition. But I will point out that before this tournament started, people, myself included, because they looked really good in the previous international break, were really hyping up Turkey, like really hyping them up. Uh, And then, you know, they get crushed by Italy 3-0, and then everyone's like, oh, well, that's not a real opponent. Turkey, who gives a shit? Uh, no. Same thing with Switzerland. I mean, people are hyping up Switzerland a bit, and, and they get crushed 3-0. And now it's, oh, Italy hasn't played anybody. So it's convenient how the argument changes after these games, Jerry.
1: I agree. I, well, we, we our, our pre-tournament podcast, I said that Italy was going to win the Euros. I was adamant and confident that this team was going to win it. I said we have a good manager that is guiding this team. And I think that's the biggest thing of any team in football. If you – you remember, these guys don't play every day together, they play three games, they go off for six months. They come back, they play two games, they go off for six months. So, being in Roberto Mancini's position, he needs to be able to get this team as as organized as possible, ready to go. And I think in every aspect of this game, he's picked every position properly. Um, he's got an immobile. I think the biggest thing is he's got an immobile playing at an elite level. I think a lot of people. Doubted him. I never doubted this guy, because we 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 too often criticize strikers for not scoring goals, and we don't look at what they do off the ball. And Immobile and Lukaku are two perfect examples of what they do when they don't score. They they dribble, they the hold up play, their physicality, the way they they draw other players open, is is so just important as scoring goals. So for me. It, it, if you scoring two straight games, confidence through the roof, like you can't ask for more. Um, I, I, I like I thought Belgium was bad in the first half today, but yeah, turned around in the second half. But I'd love to hear what you guys got to say because I, I can keep going, but I want you guys to talk too. <laughs> yeah, well, l- l- let me bring in
0: uh, Austin Robillard and you know, Austin, uh, I kind of and R- Roberto Rojas and I were talking,
1: oh, Alex, off
0: air, go ahead.
1: Sorry, and uh, later Alex. I want to get Roberto's opinion on Copa America as well because yes. he's the expert on that. And I and I actually got to watch the Argentina game the other day, so I really, as much as everybody loves the Euros, uh, Roberto and I'm not sure if you watch it too, Austin, but I think Copa America doesn't get enough appreciation, in my opinion. So, and I think I, Roberto's like smiling because he probably knows I'm right about this one. So,
0: <laughs> well, let, let me bring in uh, let me bring in Austin uh, on on one note, and then we'll get into Copa America as well. Uh, you know, was watching, uh, you know, earlier today the Belgium Denmark game, and, and Denmark, uh, they took a quick 1 0 lead. Uh, I, I thought, like Jerry said, Belgium didn't look good in the first half, but Denmark, they were flying in the first half. And of course, there's a lot, as we know, going on off the pitch, uh, and the entire world of football stopped this past Saturday. And of course, it hit the Danish national team, you know, a lot harder than it hit anyone else. And that was the, um, the, tragic. Uh, Well, thankfully, he's he's alive and well and he's okay. But what happened to Christian Eriksen this past Saturday? Obviously, that was very emotional for the Danish team. And they came out looking like they were just possessed by their teammate Christian Eriksen, who's recovering in, uh, in hospital in Copenhagen. And they just looked unbelievable, Austin, in the first half. And then really, when De Bruyne came on in the second half, things really changed for Belgium. But they were able to snatch victory out of the jaws of defeat.
2: Yeah, um, I, yeah. Like you said, the world of football took a took a step back there for a little bit, and to see the Denmark team perform that well on that kind of occasion, uh, especially playing the number one FIFA ranked team in the world, especially in that first half, Poulsen getting the early goal, fantastic finish from the top of the box. I mean, it was it was really great to see, and they were out playing Belgium uh, on all fronts, defensively from in the midfield, uh, the attack. Braithwaite looked like a Barcelona striker at some points, which he doesn't do for Barcelona. So there was there were times where. I, I thought Braithwaite would get the second goal in the first half or, or Poulsen would get another one. Um, but, and Hoyberg, by the way, too, that, I mean, he is unbelievable. I don't think he gets enough credit. He doesn't get enough credit in Tottenham. Um, he, and obviously Tottenham is Tottenham, but I, I think he's a really important player. He had a great game, uh, especially in that first half. They, they did look possessed by, by something. They played a phenomenal job. And I know the manager uh, attested to that post game and said he was really proud but with de bruyne coming on in the second half it just changed everything and he absolutely oozed his class all over the field in every single aspect um i mean that that play on the first goal where where he laid it off it was just beautiful football it was some of the best football i've ever seen especially in the last year i mean it was fantastic and i've been watching inter miami for a long time so it's not hard to beat but uh it's been it it was it was fantastic and for him to score the second goal it just you know put the cherry on top he he was phenomenal Uh, and there's really nothing you can do about it it's just class at its finest Uh, i i do feel for denmark a little bit obviously having to play 90 minutes after the, the very scary occurrence with Ericsson and thank God he's okay. Uh, but 90 minutes after they get the one nil uh, result, uh, in a loss to Finland, which again, they could have won, but obviously with the circumstances, you're not going to blame them for it. And then having to come back and play Belgium, it was just, it's been tough. And I I'm hoping they can get that third place top four finish, uh, of, of the six teams, but it's going to be tough for them. But I am rooting for them just because of all the circumstances. And they did put on a nice brand of football today. So I'm rooting for them in the next match.
0: So I want to get your take on something then Roberto's as well. Um, so Austin, so far, because obviously Jerry and I are a little bit biased. We have Azuri covered, uh, colored glasses. Um, so I, out of the two you watching Euros so far, and obviously the Azuri have been really impressive. Uh, you know, Belgium are the number one ranked team in the world by FIFA. They have gotten two victories. Maybe a little bit shaky at the start today. It's to be understood, though, given Denmark's form. So, what team has impressed you most so far in the Euros, Austin?
2: It's Italy. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. It's Italy. I mean, two, three, no wins. They've been playing really well. No other team. I mean, the France looked good against, you know, Germany, but it wasn't like a very pleasing performance because Germany looked good at times as well. I won't tell Kai that when he comes on. Uh, but there, there are a couple other teams that I was kind of high on. I, I was one of the ones that was like, all right, I'm going to root for Turkey. I think that they could have a good team, uh, not to win the Euros, but a lot of people have let me down. I think England didn't have a great performance against Croatia. Croatia did, obviously didn't have a good performance. So there's a couple of these top teams that aren't there, but Italy is living up to the hype and more. So I'll give it to you. Italy have been the best team.
0: Yeah, Croatia to me, it just they they look like their their legs are still tired from the World Cup final three years ago. And it's so many of the same players who have so much more mileage and are so much older uh, that, yeah, it's it's kind of uh, you could say it's not the same Croatia team from three years ago, but it kind of is. And that's the problem. Like there's not yeah. enough. There's not enough of a new injection of light <laughs> into that team. It's like oh, everybody
2: yeah. but Mario Mandzukic at that point. I think it's it's basically yeah. the same team, but yeah, they, they they've that that took a toll out of them. That was their quote unquote golden generation for like a year, and then now it's I think it's just past that, and I don't know if they'll ever really recover.
0: Yeah, so I, Roberto, I want to get uh, your take on on the uh, the Belgium Denmark game this morning, and what team has impressed you most so far in the Euros.
3: Oh, yeah going back to that game and also first of all for, thank you for having me on this uh, appreciate it honestly um i think yeah kind of like what everyone is in agreement with i think certainly this was a game that i think that mark came in with a lot of motivation i think certainly they wanted to get into this game you know obviously you know to do well in this competition but now what, what happened with ericsson and of course we are we're very thankful that he is alive and, and doing well but you know it, it provides a bit of motivation you know i think certainly Um, given the circumstances that they had to play through uh, in the first game against Finland, perhaps that their, you know, their heads weren't in properly, that they perhaps weren't in the right shape. Now go into this game against Belgium, obviously a tougher opponent. Um, Certainly there is a different sort of uh, idea and they had a really good start, as he said, you know, with the, with the Bolson goal, but then Belgium, you know, as you know, we all have all talked about, As one of the favorites you know the number one ranked team in the world at the moment they showed their quality i think they showed their quality as to why you know they're they're out there to contend they're out there to really go for a title that this golden generation needs you know they, they missed it out in the world cup three years ago they were so close and now they're trying to now literally look at the final options of them getting some sort of silverware and I think i'm gonna have to agree with all of us here i think certainly italy were the most impressive out of all of them so far i mean obviously when you win both games okay yes turkey and switzerland i'm not really that of that kind of notion of like oh they're they're just regular teams i think they are good on its day it's just italy were just better when it came to those two games i mean obviously not conceding any goals yet mancini's obviously a really great manager as we probably all agree on they have good players on all ends um yeah and uh, as opposed to like the other teams like France, that okay, I, I think they're still probably the favorites to win it to may a lot of us, but you know maybe it wasn't as convincing. Okay, it was Germany, but still you would think that they perhaps perhaps be much more convincing. Portugal, I mean, yes, they did beat Hungary three nil on the day, but you know they weren't really as convincing as we would say for them to to really um, break down Hungary until late on. Uh, England is. Is England, as we like to say, the Dutch, even them, you know, even them, you don't know what to expect from them, especially defensively. Okay, they, they improved today. But, yeah, I, I think if we have to judge it between one team, and, and I'll say France are still the favorites right now, at least in my book, to win it, I think Italy are up there. I, I think Italy are still, you know, I, I don't understand this notion of them being a dark horse before that. Like, no, absolutely not. I think they... They have the quality on, on all levels from, from on the pitch and off the pitch as well to really go for this European championship. Yeah, yeah. I want to go, – go ahead, Gary. Uh,
1: I want to I add something. And I not. I saw a tweet today. I'm not going to say names because I, I respect our colleague. So I'm not, not going to pull a plug on him. But I saw that Denmark deserve better and that they've been one of the best teams and they should be – they should have six points right now. I don't agree with this notion personally. Um, the first game, to me, should just never have been played in the first place. Yeah. Neither team, I don't care if there were 25 shots apparently and Denmark had chances. It, it doesn't mean nothing to me. Shots mean nothing if you can't the target. Neither, t- neither team were really in the game. So you can't really say that Denmark deserved those three points. Um, today, they didn't deserve the three points. I'll tell you why. They only played for 45 minutes. It was an inspiring performance. Absolutely agree. But you had the one nothing lead into the second half. You didn't protect it. You made two costly mistakes, and it hurt you. So at the end of the day, to me, it's six points that they don't deserve right now. Um, They still have a chance to make it to the next round. But to feel bad because of what happened, I get that to a certain degree. But to say that they deserve to be in the next round right now, they have the six points, I don't buy that, man. They they held their own destiny today, and I I called. I honestly thought Simon Kier was was, uh, originally had beaten, sorry, got beaten by Lukaku. I was wrong, and I got destroyed on social media for that. But like (laughs) by all the Milan fans, you got by all the Milan fans. I was like, oh my god! Like relax, it's Simon Kier. I didn't see he's shit or anything. Like it's not like I disrespected the guy, (laughs) but like I thought Lukaku kind of had him. A lot of the game ahead of him i i know i give credit to to care he made a good sl- sliding challenge a little fortunate because it kind of redirected towards him and didn't and he kind of misstepped it lukaku but two goals two mistakes and like denmark didn't defend when they had to like they didn't bury that second goal I love to hear what you guys think, but I just don't – I don't I don't like – I don't think that you should ever feel bad for a team. They deserve it. No one deserves anything. You, you earn for what you get. If you are the better team, you deserved it. If you didn't win it, you didn't deserve it. That's just the way I look at it. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but
0: – No, listen, I mean, Jerry, to that effect, Denmark – for understandable reasons, has become maybe the most likable team in world football right now, given what they're going through. Um, you know, given you know the way, and and so much credit to Simon Kier, who basically saved Christian Eriksen's life. Like I, I I can't say for sure whether he's still alive right now. If not for the way Kier responded, and of course the first responders and the doctors that came out and literally shocked his heart back to life with a defibrillator. So it, it's it's remarkable, and I can't imagine what it's like emotionally to be a teammate of his. I'm sure most of them are close personal friends with him, and to have had to continue that match. And listen, I, I know people had arguments about it. Was, the, was it the right thing to do because they video chatted with Erickson and he reportedly gave his consent to play at the same time? I thought it could have been really classy by UEFA to just say, you know what, like, it's it's just not right. I mean, I, I don't know, what was it, like an hour, 90 minutes? They suspended it before they resumed it. It just, it didn't make any sense. Uh, no, w- whether or not Ericsson gave his consent, uh, I, I just don't think it was right to continue that match. So, yeah, I completely understand why, myself included, the entire world is rallying around this Danish team. And it's become, they've become lovable and very easy to root for. At the same time Jerry what you said is 100% right. The pitch doesn't lie. Um you know obviously you, you can't you're not giving out free points and free wins for the circumstances. It, it is what it is. Uh, I don't think that the Finland game should have been finished. So it's hard to really look at that result but as far as their result today against Belgium, yeah, they they were flying early. They outplayed the Belgians and then Belgium just had more quality. They had more depth because they can bring on a guy like De Bruyne from the bench and really help change the, game. Yeah, and the Lukaku, game. Lukaku was instrumental in both of those goals, by the way. I thought he had an excellent second half. And so it, it is what it is. You can't give out pity, pity points to Denmark, even if uh, they, they become a team that obviously uh, has really become easy to rally around. And you know, I want to I get more uh, into that, but I, I want to get thoughts on this from Austin and Roberto. First, Roberto, uh, I'll start with you. As as far as Jerry's point, and, and listen, I uh, every time Denmark plays now, I root for these guys, and I'm a big Christian Eriksen fan to begin with, of course, so this has really been a hard thing to watch unfold. But, yeah, I mean, listen, they you, you can't say on the pitch they deserved better today. They got beaten fair and square.
3: Yeah, and I, you know I'm with you as well, and I think the rest of the world likes to see Denmark as their second team, but, you know, unfortunately – in life and in society, I think we don't have to, we don't have time for pity parties anymore. I think we, we just have to move on. And yes, it, it was fantastic that Simon Care was able to to save his life um, and that those things happen. But you know, at the end of the day, these guys are professionals. They're there to do a job and they're there to go and, and win games and to perform into the highest level. And just on the day, Belgium were just superior, and they had every right to beat them one hundred percent. You know, I, I I don't I don't think there's much more to add, honestly. Yeah. Besides that, Austin, awesome. you the last word I on actually,
1: that. I want to I want to just piggyback for both sure. of you. Is Kevin DeBron yeah. the best midfielder in the world? Like, yes. I, I don't. Yeah.
2: Okay. No. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I. Hundred percent. What?
1: May, what a, wow, man. Yeah. No. Wow. He, he.
2: completely changed the com. Oh wait. Let's say hello to Kai because I. Kai. I be Kai nice Chisholm
0: is in the building. You, did you call him? In, you had to sneak in that Florida Gators banner back there. Yes, How you I doing, did. Kai?
4: Uh, well, you know I'm a recovering Germany soccer fan, so you know oh, I'm doing we'll get okay. Get into that. <laughs> <I'm trying.
0: laughs> get we, we we will get into that. You know we we were just uh, we were just talking Kai about uh you know about Denmark. Obviously, it's become the second team of most football fans right now. You know, with what uh, with what that entire locker room has had to go through, what that country has had to go through, with what happened to Christian Ericsson. But you know, in in that matchup uh, today against Belgium, Denmark were absolutely flying in the first half. They got the quick opening goal, and they it, it I, I was concerned that there would be an adrenaline dump, and I think you saw a little bit of that in the second half. And then Belgium's depth and quality just really made the difference, but. You know, something that Jerry brought up, which was a fair point, is, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, Denmark have deserved more. They could they could have six points and two victories. Now, the, the game against Finland, I mentioned, you know, I, I, I don't know what to do with that because they should have never finished that game the same day like that. That should have been suspended to finish at a later time. But as far as the Belgium game this morning, you know, the pitch doesn't lie. I mean, Be- Belgium got three deserved points today. Well, what do you think about all that and, and the situation with the, with Denmark?
4: Well, I was going to ask if we had talked about, yeah, kind of that that specific thing, you know, starting that game yeah. when it happened. And I kind of wanted to see what your guys' thoughts were because I know personally, I feel like there were two sides to it. Like there were some people who were saying, okay, well, if they want to restart the game, if they want to keep going, then allow them. And then I know there's the other side where it's kind of like, yeah, but at the same time in a situation like that. The thing that I came away with just quickly to kind of talk like with the Ericsson uh, collapse and I, I tweeted it out as well is – Uh, there was a, now the name is, is leaving my mind. Um, Abdelhaq Nori, who was just like, he was a player for Ajax and he had fallen and collapsed, uh, in a friendly game against Werder Bremen. And this was in 2017, something like that. Um, and he's really not that functioning right now. That's kind of the first thing I thought of when that happened with Christian Erickson. And I think we have to give like a great applause to kind of the actual response so that he can actually be there and, and be with us now and not have to suffer anything worse. But I, I kind of wanted to ask that thought because I'm one that kind of was in the situation like I don't even know if that game should have been restarted. I mean in the way that it was in the fashion that it was maybe you just played another day because that I just feel like it, with everything that happens and even with the players sometimes you have to stop someone from something they don't already know yet. Obviously now it, it, it's okay and it is how it is but I feel like sometimes you have to kind of take a, a pause and realize that the, you know there are real life implications to everything and You don't want to trot out, even if they say they want to play. You don't want to trot out players back into the field after something like
1: that.
0: I agree 100%. And and we're were just uh, about to get into that. I think think Kai is a psychic because we were literally just getting into that topic (laughs) when he hopped in. Uh, Austin, your take, should they have even finished that game? No, I don't
2: think so, but also I think well, it's on UEFA. I think at that point, um, I, I doubt the 11 men that were on the field for Denmark wanted to continue to play despite Ericsson's consent. Maybe, sure, some of them did. But at the end of the day, the whole psyche of the team could not have been in in that stadium. There is no way anybody was thinking really about the game within those 90 minutes of delay. It's all about Ericsson, your teammate. Uh, some people will call him his brother. I mean, th- there are, and I know, um, the AC Milan defender, Kair, Kyer, however you pronounce it. I mean, him. I don't know. think anyone
0: actually knows how to say it. <laughs> I, I say, I say it different every time. Like, and, and even Serie A commentators, when he first, uh, when he first got, uh, got on Milan, uh, they were saying Kair. And then I hear Kiar. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think I have like, I have to call his relatives or something to figure out how they say it.
2: Well, we should give him a call, but uh, actually speaking of relatives, him going over to Erickson's relatives that were at the game, his family. And, there's no, it just, you won't be able to convince me that this was a good decision to restart this game within 90 minutes of the incident happening. Uh, it, it should not have been played. There must, there, there could have been a time surely for them to figure it out. There are bigger matters at hand. And I don't know if they were worrying about, you know, the tournament scheduling or, or how the group stage was finished, where they would play the game, things like that. But I think that there was a better way to go about this. And I don't know what kind of position Denmark was put in from the Federation. What did UEFA tell them? Uh, in terms of them not walking onto the fields, uh, what what would have been the consequences and things like that. And so it, it's a very tough situation, and I just wish that there was some clarity to it. And I also wish that UEFA didn't really force Denmark's hand and make them play this game because, like Jerry said, yes, the result wasn't there. They didn't you know, deserve to win on the day because they, they did not win. But at the same time, if you give them a fresh however many minutes you know to go on on a different day when when things are recovered. We know exactly what Christian Eriksson's state is out of the hospital, things like that. Maybe they beat Finland. it's just it depends on the team on the day. So I'm not going to say that Denmark have deserved six points. They haven't. They've lost both games. But at the same time, you never know what could happen if they were not forced to play 90 minutes after the potential tragic accident with Christian Eriksson.
3: Roberto I'll give you the last word on this one. How did you think that situation was handled on Saturday? I mean, I I can't really say much as to what's happening behind the scenes. I think certainly there Fucking must have been
1: more god damn it.
3: There must have been a certain different situation <laughs> in regards to something like this. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think there it could have been much it could have been handled much more better. I think certainly you know we don't know what these players are going through, especially with something like this. But, you know, if we believe the reports and say that they were only given a few options, it just seems a bit off, I would say. It doesn't seem right. And I think there should have been much more clarity and and definitely much more of a of a path for them to actually try to restart this game in some sort of manner.
0: By the way, I'll give you guys uh, the latest on, on Ericsson as of today. And actually, first, I'll say... Uh, I, I thought the scenes today, uh, the the way that both sides handled the tributes, I thought was really, really well done. Um, seeing some of the responses to it made me really lose faith in humanity, maybe a small percentage of humanity, because in in some of the tweets, kind of showing the tributes, uh, you know, at the tenth minute to honor his number, uh, you know, yeah, you, you had you had some uh, some so-called football fans like, oh, what the guy didn't die? What are we doing? It's like, come on, dude. I mean, you you know, this was. One of the most frightening on the pitch incidents I- I've ever seen. You're talking about a 29 year old with, with kids and a family. Like I, I, I don't know how to make some people happy, but I, I really thought the way that uh, the way that Belgium and Denmark handled it, I thought was was really incredible today. And and I, you know, I tip my cap to the Belgian side, obviously, for really handling it with grace. And and I know uh, Romelu Lukaku is very close with Ericsson, You know, their teammates together on Inter, and I, I thought he's been really respectful. You know, with the way he's handled all this, so I thought that was really great. As far as uh, erickson's condition, um, you know, obviously this is a point where uh, it's it would be even irresponsible to speculate his his footballing future. We're worried about his quality of life uh, at this point. He's been fitted with what they call an ICD, uh, an implantable cardioverter defibrillator. Uh, it's quote, quote necessary due to rhythmic disturbances. Danish team doctor Morten Bosen said today. He remains in the hospital, but he does say, and he's been he's been uh, pretty active. Erickson uh, chatting with folks and letting people know he's okay, which is great. Uh, they say he is fine under the circumstances. So he's going to have now a device in his chest, perhaps for the rest of his life, that will detect these rhythmic disturbances and uh, and you know provide electric shock if need be to make sure something like what happened on Saturday doesn't happen again. Which is it's it's at the same time it's frightening. Uh, but it's also kind of comforting to know that technology like that exists these days. So, I mean, what a time to be alive. And, and I was I was reading about an account today about the way that things unfolded uh, on the pitch after, after he was literally uh, brought back to life. Um, and one of the first things he said to the doctor on the field was, damn, I'm only 29, which is incredibly deep. And it's also pretty impressive that he was so lucid at that moment like he had a full understanding of what was going on like i you know if i, I i've uh, I, I had a condition when i was younger where i had uh, some unexplained fainting spells when i was a teenager uh, n- nothing that severe um you know not cardiac arrest or anything but I, I can remember like regaining consciousness and i did not have the clarity to even put together a thought like he was able to put together. But to say, damn, I'm only 29. It, it really goes to show you like the understanding he had of the severity of what happened. And just, you know, God bless him. God God bless his family and his teammates and, you know, everyone who's uh, who's been with him uh, and, and is going to help him now get better. It's just an incredible thing to see. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that many discussions have been had about the TV coverage and the way the media covered it, which was a little bit gross um you know i don't i don't know if we have to spend too much time on that because we're we're four days removed and quite frankly it would take my it would make my stomach turn to, to go over all of that so i i, I want to turn i want to flip the page into uh, into more comforting things although this may not be very
1: comfortable for kai yeah yo kai you know what my favorite germany game was or is oh what Uh 2006, baby, extra time, the <laughs> Piero. <laughs> <laughs> Kai, how old baby. were you in 2006? <laughs> huh? In 2006, uh, eight. Yeah. yeah oh eight. wow. No, you're
4: oh, still
1: you're virgin. still virgin. <laughs> <laughs> At eight years old,
2: I would hope so. God damn it! <laughs>
1: Listen,
4: uh, all I can say is that. What is even better than that, and I know it's not a dig at anyone here, at least I don't believe it's a dig at anyone here, is that we still kept Messi from winning a World Cup, and that's all that matters to me. So I'm good. Oh, I, 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 think I love Messi, Barcelona. man. Is, is that, no. is that a <laughs> I love that's, Messi.
1: Messi's gone. Messi's sure. gone, man. I'll never forget that, game. that was bad. But what was it? What was the score again? It was wasn't it a beatdown?
4: Which one? The uh, Germany the Messi versus one? George- yeah, wasn't no, it bad? No, that was a uh, go-to, 113th minute. Okay. Yeah. Off the chest, into the goal.
1: Uh Roberto, you a big Messi fan too?
3: I, I do appreciate Lionel Messi, yes. That's Fucking right. Yikes.
1: Best player of our – I don't think he's the best player of all time. I think he's the best player of our time. That's how I look at it. I think there are better players overall through all, like, football in general. Jerry, who's the
0: mean? best player ever? Don't say Chiro
1: Immobile. No, no. I wish. In my time, yes. <laughs> Maradona. In my time, yes. Maradona, yes. Um, I never got to watch Maradona, but you just I read about him. That's that's how I I respect him. Well, you watch the documentary on HBO. It's no, incredible.
0: not yet. Got to watch that. I've been watch that either. It's on my wish list. It's so good, dude. You have to watch
4: that. Our guy. watch list. But yeah.
1: You know who I appreciate a lot too. I started reading about Johan Cruyff. Man, that guy there and the way he thought about football. And, and these guys, these are the guys who I like to read about because total football, utilizing space, movement, understanding, like, not using six guys in a backfield. Like, Johan Cruf was all about, like, getting the best out of your players. Uh, I forgot who the other Dutch guy who didn't he didn't like, and he was at Ajax as well, um, mm. He I forgot his name. Um, maybe Roberto might know. He's another like big legend back in the nineties. Yeah, Van, Van Basten. Oh yeah. He he uh, always
0: say him or Goulet.
1: Well they they both believe in total like the uh. whole total uh football, but like one believed like like Kruf always believed in using his best players and utilizing them, whereas Van Bassen was all about using 11 players and getting the best out of everyone, and they all had to contribute. But it was good philosophy, and those are the guys who I always look at as to why Mourinho was so good today, why Conte can, can adapt on football. Those are the guys who instilled the ideas and allowed football to grow so much. I think a lot of people forget what the guys did in the nineties. And another thing is that football wasn't the same like it is now where technology has allowed these guys to play at, an, at another level uh, and sports in the nineties, not just, not just football, soccer, even North American sports as hockey, basketball, oh, yeah. baseball, like it was just a different sport work. You didn't cork the bat you you used a hockey you, you, you used a hockey stick that was woody not freaking ben 5 and flex 95 and all that and like these guys played in a different era where they weren't allowed to like have enhanced stuff to allow them to be better they were just naturally gifted for how they played the game and a lot of people forget about that i find personally when I also why, thought like I, like I,
0: I, I, I can't I, I can't really speak for a guy like Pele I only know the legends I'm not old enough to appreciate his game but I am old enough to appreciate Maradona's game and like I, I thought that you know f- football in like the 80s and and the early 90s it it relied a lot more on individual brilliance like you saw a lot less of the one touch you saw a lot less just real pure. Tactics by managers. I mean, as far as like tactics, I remember watching a lot of the Italian game growing up. The, the, the tactic was mostly Catenaccio. It was like you know, park the bus and, and counter attack. There wasn't like a whole lot in possession. And watching a guy like Maradona was just unfreaking believable the way that that guy was able to be just such a maestro on the pitch. But I, I did want to uh, to bring in Kai to talk a little bit of Deutschland. Uh, listen, it was one result. There's really, you know, on the can score I, sheet, there's really no shame in a one-nil loss to France, but it wasn't. It was not an inspired performance, my friend.
4: Can I? So I had an argument with one of the guys in Lemon City. Shout out to Achilles because I. Love those maybe, guys. maybe, maybe it's just me. But I, even when the people I was watching with, had agreed with me. But I, I don't know. Maybe it's just us. But at, for the panel of everyone here, did you think if you watched the game? that France was showing that they are a dominant side.
2: No, no. I I said that when you asked me who the best team was before Kai got on, I said in that France, Germany game, France were not, fully convincing i mean yes yeah. germany got bailed out by a couple of offside calls i mean yes it's they were offside but it's barely legal in the game what are you talking yes, about bro? but uh, <laughs> <listen to Austin. laughs> it, the game could have very easily been three nil if it weren't for a couple centimeters very could have been so and i'm not so i'm not going to say germany played better than france but they i'm going to say france did not play as well as anybody was really expecting i can say that sure but germany have ways to go and they they'll struggle against portugal
0: yeah, that, group like, that group is not even fair. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not <laughs> ridiculous. So
4: I, th- this is the only thing I had because the thing that I continue to see, and I guess it's also another dig at certain things in media and why I was arguing with Achilles is like that game. I don't think it was as bad as it like looked actually watching it. And I think there's a lot of things that you saw that Jokim love has brought to the team recently. That is actually good compared to what he's been showing since the 2018 collapse. But I looked at that game when I was watching it, I was like, first of all, France does not look like a dominant team because they should be running. I mean, the game without offsides, goals or whatever should have been three or four zip like it should have it it, that Germany was making a lot of mistakes. Even while holding possession, they couldn't do anything in the final third at all. I mean, they just could not put together anything, any string of anything like France just was not looking like a dominant team. I think there's a lot there that for Germany was also not in their favor. But in terms of just like the German national team, and just to answer the question before it comes, listen, man, Hansi Flick, Don Flick, the greatest manager right now, currently, <laughs> because he still holds the award until another one's given out. Uh, he'll come and he'll save us here soon. But it's there's a lot of issues right now. I mean, I, I know you guys that you know Lazio, Inter Milan, you guys will know, at least in terms of Serie A, it's like there's only one player in Germany's roster. One player that naturally runs a back three in their club system, and that is Robin Gunsens. That's the only player. Yet, Joachim Lo insists on running a back three. Insists on running a back three, playing Joshua Kimmich at right wing back, which was uninspiring, to say the least. Having Gunsens there, who had a horrible game, and then having the midfield of Toni Kroos and Ilkay Gundawan, which was not great at all. Now, Leon Gretzka is injured, but I think that anyone looking at this Germany team, you would say if you have Leon Gretzka and you also have Kimmich healthy, you have the double pivot with them in the midfield. You were going to say the only other chance you would have and not having Kimmich at right wing back would bring in Lucas Klosterman. Now, he's out for the rest of the tournament with a muscle injury. Everything looks horrible. I mean, it's going to go to the point where we're going to do exactly what Hansi Flick did and play Niklas Sula right back. And then that's just going to be another whole situation. It's just at this point, I think with the Germany team in general, I think there's been a lot of missteps the past few years. And one of the biggest ones, even though I know he was useful in the U21 tournament that Germany won, uh, just, you know, I know it's U21, but we did win. (laughs) Um, Even though he was useful. Yeah, 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 you know. Even though he was useful, I mean, bringing a guy like Riddle Baku on this team who had a great season in the Bundesliga and having him play his natural role of right wing back in the back three that you're insisting on playing would have made a lot more sense than bringing in guys who are never going to see the field or an Emre Chan who you do not need at all midfielder converted to center back. It just, I want them to get past a group. I think they'll get past the group stage, uh, to be really honest still. I think they will get past the group stage, and then they'll just get embarrassed by whatever team they face Mm -hmm. in the last sixteen.
1: I did not watch this game yesterday. I was too busy getting the vaccination during this game and I was at work. And but you feel it's all right th- now? I, I know I know it hit you like a ton of bricks. Yeah, up. I'm going back to work tomorrow, unfortunately. But uh <laughs> but <laughs> I don't I don't you you know your shit more than I do because I don't know too much about Germany. I don't really put a lot of emphasis it's on a lot of these right teams. Now. But it what it <laughs> sounds like is it's it's a team that's not playing their positions. To their or just like, yeah, like it, it's a it's a back three that you got players who don't suit a back three, so I've seen this before at Lazio where we used Dennis Vavro in a back three, came from the Danish league and failed miserably, and it's not his fault because he's performed in a back four, yeah. and it, it and I think it's different for forwards and midfielders to play out of position because. They're not as vulnerable, I find, in a back four, bar, back three. It really makes Better a difference. It, yeah. it honestly makes a difference. If you're transitioning from a center back to a fullback, and you're playing out wide, it it, it can really affect you because you don't know how to attack as well. I I it's just me though. Um, I think the you, smart you, thing be, for them. The smart thing for them to do
4: would be to play. One, I feel like you should play to the form of some of your players. I mean, one of the biggest things is Christian Gunter had a fantastic season with Freiburg playing at left back, and he was able to make the German national team for the first time in years. In years, he hasn't been on one of the national team squads. Play to the form that he's had, play to his strengths. You have the partnership of Mats Hummels and Antonio Rudiger, who's coming off of great form himself. Play them together. Mats Hummels was one of the best center backs in the Bundesliga all season. If you have to play Kimmich at right back, that's fine, but don't put him out there in right wing back where he's not going to be fit to where you want him to be. Have, if you're going to stick him at right back, if you absolutely have to do it, fine. That's that. That's perfectly fine. But don't put him into an uncomfortable position where you're going to have this guy who is, my, in my opinion, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe it's Bayern bias, maybe it's Germany bias, I think is one of the best midfielders in the world. You're going to have him playing out of position at right wing back when you could have him in there with Toni Kroos and Nicolas Sula, Look, he wasn't horrible at right-back this season for Bayern. There were times where he was okay. I would rather have him playing at right-back and at back four with Antonio Rudiger, Mats Hummels, and Gunter on the left side there than have these guys playing out of position and having mistakes like we almost saw multiple times against France happen again because he's going to go out there with the back three against Portugal, and it's going to happen again.
1: Let's let's get Roberto's word. We haven't heard from Roberto for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
3: Which one? that deutschland yeah (sighs) they're a funny team aren't they they really are i mean i think yes it was a it was quite i mean getting the hardest team off the bat on that group was always going to be difficult for any team and certainly for this side they've kind of i don't want to say they fell flat on their face ever since the world cup but you kind of see that they they do need to okay fine all right kyle i'll take your word why not um having said (laughs) that I think they definitely need to view this tournament as a way of like demonstrating where they are at the moment. I think you know, I think we'll assume that they will qualify for the World Cup and and go from there. But I think they do definitely need to fix the pieces that are that are there that perhaps are not needed anymore. And, and try to build your team around, you know, and, and it's Germany. Like, they, they have the history in these tournaments. You know, this is not a, a team that is full of scrubs, nevertheless. I think they they just have to go through a, a different type of transition era like many teams do, and Germany have the capability and the talent to do that. So I think it's just that, really. I think they're still a talented team on its day. And, you know, hopefully that they can get out of the group and, you know, depending on who they get into the, into the knockout stage, will also be able to determine how good they are. But I, I still see a talented side of players, just the way that they're being utilized and how they're set up. And I think once someone like uh, Hansi Flick comes in, which I think is really kind of the brainchild of the Germany squad that won the World Cup, I think that is where we will see a different Germany side. And and certainly it will be removing everything that, not everything, but certainly what Joaquin Lo has been been doing in the last few years it's time to really just change the chip in the way of how they perform and how they they are set up on the pitch awesome i know you're gonna say something
2: yeah i wanted to i wanted to ask i wanted to ask kai a question now I'm Go going ahead. to say this, and I'll take the heat for it, but Pogba was the best performance on the day for France, in my opinion. I think yeah. he dominated the I, midfield. I'm going to take that's true. What do you? Okay, I'm good. I'm about? glad. I just I <laughs> no, didn't, I didn't want like, anybody. I didn't, <laughs> want, anybody to, I didn't <laughs>
0: want anybody to be like, oh
2: man, United bias. If you guys didn't know, no, I'm a huge yeah, United fan. Right. Okay, no. so Pogba had Not the, the best performance. he should win Ballon
4: d'Or after half of a good season. <laughs> no, no, no.
2: So let's. So if we transition over to, and I, I think a lot of the reason why he was the best performer on the day is because the Cruz Gundogan midfield with no other third central midfielder was not good enough. And if you go into this this Portugal game where one of their strengths are in the midfield, whether it's re- maybe Renato Sanchez gets a start, you have Danilo Pere- Pereira who played well, uh, and obviously the one and only Bruno Fernandes, another person that could really hurt a two-man midfield of Cruz and Gundogan controlling the game is... You just said Joachim Love won't, won't change it, but if you were to run with a three-man midfield and you needed to put Kimmich at right back, who plays next to... Gundogan and, and and tony cross i don't even think you
4: know right now the only option you could possibly have is florian newhouse and that's it like that that's really the only because unless leon gretzka and he came out today and said he's not going to start on saturday no matter what so if he's not healthy he's not going to start but they said he said he's going to utilize him, but he's not going to start so if you're not if leon gretzka is going to be utilized but he's not going to start the only person that you can give is florian newhouse you're not putting – as much as I love Jamal Musiala, as much as I think that he's going to be great in the future, like Florian Verts, who was there with the U21s, you're not putting him out there right now. Jonas Hoffman, if he was you know healthy, you're not putting him out there right now. There's just – there's no one – for, I don't think that Okay Gundawan should be starting in the first place, and neither do I think Tony Kroos. I think it should be along Gretzka, again if he was healthy. Well,
2: Gundawan came off a very good season with with City. I, right, I must but say But
4: I think that your best midfield pairing right now for Germany is Gretzka and Kimmich. Like it did that's just what it is right now, I think, for those two in the midfield, and then you have to just add another player to that. But I, I just the only other player you can have is Florian Newhouse, and then he'd have to have the guts to start him. Like, that's just the biggest thing is you have to go out there and you put him there, and he's had a good run of form. Even with Gladbach being as poor as they were under Marco Rosa after he was announced to, you know, take over Dortmund at the end of the season, he was still in good form. Like, that's really the only other player that you're going to go out there and put out because Emre Can, you're not going to put him out there, even though he's a center back midfield or whatever wherever the hell they have him playing, and uh, he's still just going to run the back three, which is going to be So basically,
2: up. just get ready for a Bruno Fernandez masterclass?
4: Yeah. <laughs> i think that you I, I i still think personally that everyone having a lot of doubts in germany is is flawed i don't think that you should ever count out germany and any other thing and i think we saw the fact that they were able to and again france were the better team but they did not look like a great team and i think there were a lot of things that they did the, the german team that helped stop a lot of that i think pogba if he didn't ha- didn't have the master class game that he had who knows if we even see and by the way because I got into an argument with someone about this, and I know this is my Bayern bias, and it has nothing to do with Germany. It has something to do with France. There was someone that used to follow me, who unfollowed me, by the way, that uh, Uh was trying to tell me that Luca Hernandez was god-awful and a waste of a transfer. Well, Luca Hernandez stopped multiple, multiple attacks by himself for Germany in that game on Tuesday. And if not for Pogba, in my opinion, could have had man of the match.
0: Before I allow uh, Jerry and I to flex a little bit about Italy's 3-0 against Switzerland yesterday, <laughs> I want to get tournament predictions from our guests. Now, Jerry and I have already been on record multiple times. I've changed my pick multiple times. I mean, full full disclosure, my pick before the tournament started was France. Uh, my pick as to how far the Azzurri would go was quarterfinal, and I even said semifinal would be the absolute ceiling, probably a quarterfinal exit. Jerry, I was so inspired by the scenes in Woodbridge, Ontario, Canada. I've been so inspired by a pair of three goal wins to start the tournament. I am now lock, stock, and barrel on the Roberto Mancini train. So I, I have changed my Euro prediction. I, I reserve the right to change it probably every day until the tournament is over. Uh, but I want to go, or and I know Jerry's picking Italy because he, he was steadfast on that uh, on the start. But I, I want to get picks from, uh, I'll start with Roberto then Austin, and then Kai. Roberto Rojas, who do you think is going all the way in this tournament?
3: Well, I picked France as the winner before this. Um, i actually put in my bracket that Italy and France will meet in the semifinals, and I think the winner of that game will win the the Euros, no matter who they face. So I'm still going for Le Blues on this one. Fair enough, Austin?
2: Um, you know it's weird because depending on how the groups line up, especially that group of death, it's, it's, you don't know where uh, France is gonna. If France finished second, then they're in you know the bottom half where Portugal could be if they finish second. So my pre bracket prediction was France and Portugal in the final with France winning, and I don't think I'm going to shy away from that. I think I'm still okay with that. Italy, uh, they'd have a tough you know, run of play in that top half of the bracket if they were to move on top of the group. They'd have to yeah. face Belgium at some point and France. So there's a couple of tough games there in the knockouts, quarterfinal, semifinal, and the like. But I would say France win it in, in against Portugal in a final. What do you think, Kai? I think that Italy wins it.
1: Oh, my it. dude!
4: Yeah at the start, look, at the start of the tournament, I thought it was going to be France, and I thought that France was gonna absolutely embarrass Germany on Tuesday after watching their performance regardless of the Pogba masterclass. I don't think that they have it. I don't think they're gonna win it at all. I think that it's gonna be Italy, especially considering the run of form.
0: Yeah, we have a lot to uh, Jerry to unpack, not only from the Switzerland game. Now that we have two games, I, I love the- Kai's
1: last words, eh? That's why I chose Italy going into this tournament. The run of form going yeah, into oh, this sure. tournament. That's sure. why I never doubted Italy. And people say that they they beat schmucks. They beat this team. They beat that team. They're not beating big teams. It doesn't matter. You're they make them look like schmucks. You're going into a tournament. Yeah. You're, you're going into a tournament with proper form. I, I, you don't want to go into this tournament losing seven games from like World Cups to Euro qualifying to like friendlies. Like Germany. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs>
4: I'm, I'm, I, well, can I don't. I, can I make a comment on that actually? Because you know the the run of form thing. I remember when I thought about it as Zilly were coming in, I was like, yeah, that's cool. But Germany wasn't a great run of form before the 2018 World Cup. But I remembered wow. that even in their great run of form, he brought. And Joakim Lowe, he left out a lot of players that were part of that run of form from that final 2018 roster and didn't bring them on with them towards the World Cup. And that's a lot of what kind of did not help their case.
2: Turkey were in a great run of form leading up to this tournament and yep. absolutely shit to bed against both uh Italy and so then now up, against yeah. Wales. So the I guess the quality teams in a run of form is good, but when you have one of these dark horses that are run of form, it doesn't matter as much, in my opinion. But when the quality shows like Italy has, and especially with the depth, that's, that's something, too, that I've been very impressed by. Yeah, I, I can see them going all the way, but I'll stay with mine.
0: And, and here's uh, the, the run of form that you guys are alluding to. It's now, and and honestly, like I, I'm in disbelief when I look at it 29 matches unbeaten, uh, 10 straight victories, and in none of those 10 straight victories have they conceded a single goal. I mean, it's it's shocking, it, it truly is shocking. And, and obviously, uh, the back line has been rock solid, even when you have a pair of senior citizens like Chiellini and Bonucci starting in the back. Chiellini did pick up uh, a knock though, after you know, scoring a, a goal that was disallowed for a handball uh, the other day. Uh, but they have depth uh, at the center back position. There, There's no doubt about that. And, you know, Donnarumma, obviously, who's, you know, uh, he's about to take his medicals for PSG. I hate to see him leave the Serie A. Uh, he didn't have to do very much against Switzerland. I think he was only called into action twice, but made a couple of beautiful saves uh, in the second half around the hour mark to preserve the Azzurri lead. Um, you talk about depth, uh, midfield, uh, especially, you know, to to have to start this tournament without an important player like Verati to be able to plug in Manuel Locatelli and you see the type of form he's in. I mean, ridiculous, especially the the strike on that second goal he scored, the run he made in the first. It was really Berardi though who set it up with that beautiful run of play on the right side. Uh, it's just uh, it's been beautiful to watch and then one of the most important things, and this is where we can allow Jerry to flex a little bit. Cheeto Immobile scoring consistently. So he's got a goal uh, in each of these two games to start the Euro. It's been four straight matches for him going back to the previous international break where he has scored. That's always been the issue for Cheeto, at least anecdotally. The issue for him has been scores goals for fun with Lazio. When he puts on the Azzurri shirt, though... You don't necessarily get goals. You we've talked about the factors in the past about the formation he's playing in. Where at Lazio he plays, you know, in a strike partnership with a three-five-two, and obviously that's going to change under Sardetty. But that's what it's been for the last uh, for the last several years um, under uh, under Inzaghi. Uh, and, you know, he's in a, in a 4-3-3 with the national team. Now, we, we look at the form that Bedardi has brought to the right wing, and that's really brought out some tremendous play under Cito. It was an excellent goal from outside the box. He scored to make it 3-0 the other day. Uh, with, with this Italian national team, but I, I think, Jerry, the, the thing that, that really strikes me about them, which makes them so dynamic, They have an answer for everything. I mean, there's a number of different ways they can beat you. They can be possession-based. They can hit you on the counter. They're not going to concede any goals. uh, And, you know, something, and I'll take it back to Immobile, before this tournament started, I would always say that really the one question mark that I had about this Italian national team is, can they get consistent goal scoring from their number nine? Uh, We wondered if that would even matter, right? Because I know that some of the shows we've done, talking italy uh, in recent episodes uh, uh, i think it was it's our guy uh, i think it was either jan or dom i think it was dom who was very yeah it was it definitely was dom who was saying that it may not even matter if immobile is scoring or not because they're getting so much from the midfield and so much from the wingers in terms of goal contributions, I mean, Insigne didn't have the best of games against Switzerland, but he was excellent against Turkey. He's He was in a great run of form going back to this past season's campaign against Napoli. Uh, we see the form Berardi is hitting, and you look at the Sassuolo boys. I mean, Berardi and Locatelli have been carrying this team so far. I like how Austin Robillard has the disco lights now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is like an italian discotheque he's setting the tone for the azzurri talk but i mean jerry to me this is uh, this italian site has looked incredibly well-rounded incredibly dangerous uh heading into this tournament crazy enough they had never prior to the turkey game they had never scored more than two goals in a game in the euro tournament which is kind of shocking and now they've already done it twice in the first two games of this tournament. So this is this is one of the most complete Azzurri sides I've seen since 2006. This may be the most complete. Now, obviously, uh, Conte's uh, Euro run five years ago, uh, he got a lot out of a really shit roster. Let's be frank here. You know, to make that quarterfinal run, this roster is a lot better. And we're seeing your namesake Mister Mancini getting the most out of this out of this group.
1: Well, yeah, look, Immobile has been shit on, and I, got, I haven't tweeted this stat yet, which is ridiculously insane of how underrated he's been. And let me get it out right now because I saw somebody tweet this, and I thought it was really good, and I want to tweet it out as well because it just showed to me how impressive he's been in quite some time. And if you give me two seconds, I will get this. And why okay, you look here. for
0: that, I'll say here. that. So he's also Jerry, he's also been really good off the ball because, um, absolutely for for Locatelli's second goal, you know, a run that Cheeto made in the box took two defenders away and, and opened up the opportunity for Locatelli to even take that shot.
1: He's so underrated. So in the Euros, two games, two goals, World Cup qualifiers, three matches, two goals, European qualifiers, four games, three goals. In his last eleven games as a starter for the national team, he has taken part in thirteen goals, with eight goals and five assists. And yet, people say he does not provide enough to this Italy squad. Why? Because he's not scoring a hundred goals like Lukaku. Like I don't understand. What What do you What more do you want from the guy? Like I, I think he's the most underrated striker in football. Like without a doubt, nobody is more underrated than he is. For what he is able to do, not even, not just for his club, but his for for nationally for Italy as well. And this is his first time. I said this on our pod earlier, uh, when we did with Dom and the guys. And I said the biggest thing is that Cheeto has always played in World Cup qualifiers, Euro qualifiers, but he's never got to play on the big stage. He's right. never played on the actual World Cup stage, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe he did in 2016. I don't remember, but um,
0: yeah, well, yeah, that that would have been a Euro sorry. year. Sorry, yeah.
1: no, not the Euro year. Uh, the year before that. No, 2014. Really, no, I don't, I don't, think, I don't so. think so. So he's never really. I think this is that like the first goal against Turkey was his first international goal on big stage. So you're seeing what Cheeto can do at the highest level now, playing against some of the best teams, and he hasn't disappointed in two games. I don't see Balotti being the starter. Maybe Sunday against Wales, just to give Immobile a break. That's even if Mancini thinks about breaking up this nucleus, this thing he has that's working. Because you, and and that was the biggest question was does does Mancini take a, a lot of players to sub him off to rest him to change it up versus Switzerland? He didn't. He made one one change and he stuck with the consistency. And I forgot who it was who was telling us, uh, Alex, they were saying that, I heard this on a pod, maybe it was with us, that if you start taking players out, it can really disrupt the the chemistry of this team and how they they perform going forward. And I think that Mancini is going to use his subs as subs going forward. You're going to see Chiesa being used sparingly for 25 minutes. You're going to see center backs come in maybe 20 minutes I think Mancini has an idea now that he has to stick to the same eleven because they need to build that chemistry in the group stage in order to play well beyond after this.
0: Well, listen it, it's been a it's been a fun tournament so far. We're only getting started. Uh, the, my only regret is we're going to wrap it up here. I, I think we're we're going to have to bring on Roberto Rojas again soon to talk more Copa America. We get it's, it's so wrapped up.
1: Well, hold on no wait, about- wait, before we go yeah fuck you man, the fucking Euros, fuck the Euros right now <laughs> Copa America yes all right let's fuck get into me, it a few minutes. yeah, yeah let's, let's get I, I into get, it let's i get, get, get too caught it. up in this fucking immobilist stuff man excuse my language but like but like okay Argentina how far do you think they're going to go i really want to know your opinion cuz messy choker messy choker messy choker guys does he Finally win his first Copa America or does he shit the bet again?
3: He shits the bet again. No, he's not gonna win it. Shits the bet again. Really, eh? Who wins it then, Roberto? Who wins it? Brazil? Hot take. Hot, 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 hot take, Brazil. There's no one in the continent right now that's good as them. They just smashed Peru 4-0. You know, Neymar's on a different level at the moment. Even when they're not playing well in the first half, they will switch it up and suffocate those opponents. Yeah, this this tournament is it's a walk for Brazil. Honestly, this is my honest opinion. I've seen all these teams, but this is Brazil's tournament to lose. Honestly,
2: can I pick your brains on Ecuador? Because I have some Ecuadorian heritage. My mom's from there, oh, and I I know they goodness. haven't been fantastic. Uh, they have had a couple of decent, uh, you know, World Cup qualifier games. They beat like Colombia like six to two or something like that not too long ago. Uh, they had just lost to Brazil recently. I don't know how far they're going to do. I'm surprised Enter Valencia is still playing. There's a couple of guys that I thought were going to get called up from MLS that didn't. Quick thoughts on Ecuador, just for my own personal sake.
3: I think they're a really talented side. They have a really good coach in Gustavo Alfaro. I think they're a side that are very counter-attacking when need, by, uh, when need be. I think they have a very young side. A lot of those players had performed very well at U17 at U20 level. I think they have a really interesting generation. I think they... I don't think they have the capacity to win the Copa America yet. I think they can certainly, as we've seen in the World Cup qualifiers, have the opportunity to fight for it. Um, but I think they definitely have the the talent needed. And, you know, it's a tough process. I'm not, I'm not talking about the Copa America now. I think it's more focused on the World Cup qualifiers because I think that's the main objective for countries like Ecuador and so what. Um, mm-hmm. I think they just need to take advantage of getting all the results that they can get, especially at home when they're playing in altitude in Quito, for example. Um, but, yeah, they're a very talented team. I, I really rate them. I, I didn't expect them to be as good as they were, at least initially. But I think if they're able to be consistent with the players that they have, I really like someone like Ana Valencia, Moises Caicedo, the Brighton midfielder. Very talented. Um, yeah, I, I think they, they have the opportunity to to really fight for those World Cup spots.
1: Funny story, actually. I was watching the game. Uh, I think it was Ecuador versus Colombia, right, on Sunday? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm watching this game and I'm like, oh, my w- me and my wife were watching. I'm like, oh, Caicedo's on. I'm like, Caicedo. Meanwhile, it wasn't even fucking Felipe Caicedo. It was a. Re- <laughs> I was like, what the
3: heck? I said. I'm, I'm watching this game thinking
1: that Felipe Caicedo was going to play.
3: Oh the guy had God. nine
1: goals for freaking Lazio. Does he even get the call up? I don't Unstando. think he got, yeah, I was going to say, I don't think he got called up. <laughs> How the heck did he not get called? The guy's been amazing three straight seasons for Lazio. Not even a call up. He would have been a big goal. club. He would have been a good depth option, man. Honestly, somebody call off the bench. Maybe he can provide a goal. I don't know. Like, (laughs) is is there not enough talent for him to be on this squad? Is he not good enough? Do you think he should have been on Ecuador? I'm just curious. You, you're the Ecuador guy, eh? You, you got. I don't. The- I
2: don't follow it as closely as I should. And I know I have like the heritage in the background, but I'm more of a U.S. guy, as as Dono and Kaino. Uh, oh, but yeah, I just so <laughs> oh no, you're you're
1: the guy fanboy. repping freaking Christian Pulisic on the oh, uh, on yeah. the side of the street, eh? Uh, and, yeah, and, and that, and that that's doesn't me. bother uh, me uh, much. It's it's when he reps Weston
0: McKinney that gets under my skin. Oh <laughs> god, he's Which I love
1: that guy. By
0: the way, I love that guy.
1: Overrated, man. Oh my on. <laughs> you know, Invite me on another podcast there, later. We'll, we'll talk what, about West what, what's so great he did for Juventus this season? What? He played better than like all their other midfielders. Uh, they weren't good not. at all. Suspended. But yeah, that's, better, better. Than, nothing's better on that midfield. They're all <laughs> garbage. Arthur maybe was their best thing. and I thought he was going to be the worst, and he actually was panned out well until he got hurt. Well, he got he came out, and what happened? Pirlo couldn't instruct again.
2: anybody to do well, and
1: I think. How, that, was, how, that was part of it. What are you instructing, though? A, 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 a nucleus of garbage, man. That's, I, what? <laughs> that's freaking garbage. I'm sorry, man. That, you, that is the worst Juventus team I've ever seen. Yeah, was, the, yeah. the best player in
0: the world, I'm told, wore the yeah. number seven for them. Yeah,
1: Ronaldo. There, there's another guy. Uh <laughs> Roberto, man, you're you just giving me the death stare. You look like you're going to rip my head off, man.
3: No, 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 no. Not at all. Don't give I me the middle him. finger and we'll be fine.
1: Yeah. I hate, yeah. I, hate, I hate Ronaldo, man. I hate him. I think he's a good player. A great player, man. Oh, for sure. I will never disrespect
4: he by Germany on Saturday. Good. I hope he yeah. gets drafted
1: okay. too, man. Freaking cleats to his face. But anyways. Oh, my God. Freaking. <laughs> okay. I hate him so much because he's such an arrogant person. I'm sorry. Like, guy like throws the coke to the side i was, and, and I was gonna say does anybody it. like
2: coca-cola here i love coca-cola a, i do I too, work,
1: actually i don't because yeah. i work pepsi, for pepsi God. man i work for pepsi <laughs> i don't well. drink it but it's,
3: oh, it's that's hard. right Fr- frito-lay and pepsi uh, I Frito-Lay forgot the Pepsi.
1: if i ever showed oh, up with a, if i showed up with a bottle of coke to freaking like work they call you the, the reds because the reds are are Coca Cola and uh, the, are, and the blue are Pepsi. So you're you're like called a certain color and like they don't like it, man. If you drink something water of them or anything like that. So uh, yeah, they're very like I don't know. They say it's like Democratic versus Liberals or something. It's so stupid, but like overall, man, guys, Ronaldo is a good player, but I I just think Messi's such a more classier person. I don't know. I, I mean I'm a, I'm a little biased, I'll be honest. I'm biased when it comes to Messi. I, I just love the they're, guy. They're both, I mean, they're both divas in
0: different ways, though, because like Ronaldo is uh, more of an extroverted diva. Messi is more manipulative. Like he he he's gonna like be behind the scenes, like tearing clubs apart and and manipulating, where Ronaldo does everything out front. I, I think they're kind of the same, they're just they do it a different way.
1: I don't I'm not no I don't go crying cuz someone said Messi sucked. I don't give a shit. Like it doesn't hurt me and it doesn't bother me. Like people think I'm am I'm, I'm, I'm an immobile fan club and I'm disheartened you because no, you I'm are. I you know, it's okay. be I'm a
4: Thomas Muller fan club, dude. You just got right. Look, I got the Love
1: jersey up there like Yeah. Love on, him. Love Thomas Muller, man. Amazing, consistent player, man. Top notch. Um with immobile, I get really offended when Italians kind of like when it's Italy versus Portugal or something and they rally against him. And it's like, bro, you are Italian. You support your national team to the fullest. Cause I, I believe in negative vibes. If you cast on bad shit on your team, they feel it, man. It gets to them psychologically. It's not like they don't think about this stuff. That's just me personally. I think that it does affect a player outcome and how they play and everything. Um, Thomas Muller, I agree. Miroslav Klose, that guy is the best German of all time, I think, man. That guy was amazing for Lazio. I mean, well, Gert Muller, wow. but but
4: yeah. Klose yeah. as
1: well. Klose Close had a banger in him, man. He needed a goal late, man. He had it like that guy there was something special. Do to you watch. guys
0: have any like super random players that you stand for that aren't like necessarily world-class? Because Jerry, Jerry knows this. I am a huge Jervinho fanboy, like I, I, I go, I, I freaking love Jervinho. I, I have
2: one. I have one actually.
0: You have one? Hakan Shahanaglu.
2: Oh my that's, god, that that's fine. That garbage. I'm sorry that it's an AC Milan player, but it was before no, he. Even,
0: dude, I don't care what team he plays for. I just think the guy sucks. I think oh he's bad.
2: He he was really good for <laughs> Leverkusen and and before. Uh, And before that, too, he had a free kick in him. Anytime you asked, I mean, he had that. the only thing that like kind of not necessarily derailed his career, but he had that like nine month suspension from football for a contract breach. Then he went over to Milan and he hadn't performed as well as I thought he was going to. But I I love Hakan Chahanoglu, man. I I don't know why. I don't know what it is, but I think he's a good
0: guy. Like they're desperately trying to get that guy off their team.
2: And yeah, they can cash in on him for sure. I, I would. I totally would. But yeah, no, they
0: can't. I got one. Uh, uh, Jorge says toliso Dude, the
4: toliso fan club, go away, go <laughs> away. No, the the Corinthians Tolisso fan club is horrible. They all think that he's a world class player. I I hate it. I think he's a good player, but they think he's world. Some of them think he's better than Leon Goretzka, which is comical. It's absolutely comical. But um, I actually have one. of The, the Tottenham midfielder Pierre Emil Horsburg. He used to be a part oh, of Bayern. Right. He was a Bayern youth product. And I remember I was like, man, this guy's going to be something. And then he just wasn't. And then had a great year this year. So and he, I'm, I'm happy. For he him. had a
2: really good game for Denmark today. I, I mentioned that early. He had a couple of very key passes that Braithwaite couldn't capitalize just on, unfortunately.
4: I'm, very, uh, I'm, I'm happy for him. I It used to be Renato Sanchez as well. But, you know, I always wanted him to do good. And eh, I'll be hoping that, you know, he just shits the bed on Saturday. But. Renato
1: Sanchez, does he play for Leo? Yeah, they won yes. the league. Yeah, That guy's fucking amazing. Yeah, he's that good. guy. He he's that, good. You know what? You want to talk about underrated? You know why he's gone? It's Nico Kovac. Kovac he's is because of Niko Kovac. Because Kovac is a
4: fucking good. idiot. Sorry, excuse my language. I've been watching the French League.
1: I'm going to rep the, the French League here for Hargan. The French league's so good. And I've been watching Leo for the last three seasons. It's, watch. it's so fun to watch. And Renato Sanchez is one of the most exciting players to watch. And whoever gets so that good. guy... Is he is such a good player? He was so good against uh, M- Milan in the uh, Europa League. Yeah, I remember sure. how dominant he was in that first yeah. game. He possessed that midfield. I still remember that. Like I think, just like his physicality, the way he runs, the way he he backtracks, the way he advances the ball. Like he's such a good player all around. And and credit to to their manager. I forget his name. Um, maybe you guys know. Uh, Gautier, is it Gautier? Yeah, Gautier. Christophe Gautier. Gautier, that guy is so underrated. You want to talk about underrated managers? Is he, is he French? He's French, yeah, he's right? French.
3: Yeah, he's French. He'll be the, the
1: future he'll be the future manager of uh, France in, in 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 the long term. You watch. Eventually, one day he will be, but that guy is a really good manager. I- Milan should have gone after that guy to, to transition maybe over their club or somebody because, like, I don't see Pirlo staying more than half a year. He'll be done. Uh, that's just me. But what about you, Roberto? What player yeah, do, for you, do, man?
3: Do, do you have a random player that you stand for? Uh, <laughs> uh, just because I've seen him from the start, at least recently. I, I like Lautaro Martinez. Oh, I, I think he's beautiful. a really wow. good striker. I think he's. I've seen him at his time at Racine. I think he's very strong, very quick. I think he likes to be in that position. I think that combination with Lukaku was very, in a way, not as, I wouldn't say very, very essential, but it was very important into the way that they won that Scudetto. So, yeah, in, in terms of pure striker, and I think the future striker for Argentina for the next decade, is Lautaro Martinez.
1: I actually have a question for you guys, whoever watched the Argentina game. This manager... The last one or the one? The, one the last was, one. The uh, last <laughs> one. The last one on Monday? Uh, yeah, I watched. Yeah. I, I actually caught the game, and I was so what disappointed. goal, by the way, by Messi.
4: I oh, did see un- that. Unreal. Yeah,
1: that was unreal. awesome. Hey, uh, Cristiano, one messi But anyways, uh, <laughs> freaking uh, all I got to say is they don't know how to use Correa because when he came on into the game, the guy was barely used all over the place, and I was trying to figure out. Correa plays in a 3-5-2 with Lazio. What the heck is he doing with Argentina because I saw him on the right side I saw him on the left side I saw him in the middle I saw him in the back I, 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 we're, we're, do, do they not know where to slot their players in positions or do they does this manager just panic Is there a, a game plan like I need to understand you Copa America experts because it blew my mind how Korea actually did have two good chances oh yeah I'm gonna ask Roberto
3: now because I think Roberto's the guy who who has the answer for this. Uh, wow, like, so much pressure. Um, yeah, I, I think this side is just so, very much. I, I agree but thank you for the the, for the love guys. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, I think these guys are very much uh, I don't know what's the word? I, I think Argentina are a side that are very much talented on paper. They have the players necessary, but it, it's just when it comes on the pitch, you don't know what to expect. You know, you still see a defense that is still sketchy. What are we really going to see of Messi doing? How much can he really get from this side? And it's been a trend that we've been talking about for years as to why Argentina can't win trophies. They've been to finals. They've, they've lost them. Um, penalty shootouts are a, a lottery in my opinion, but yeah. I, I think it's just just bad luck, I think. And, and certainly with this now new breed of players that are coming in, like you mentioned, Jerry, like Correa, like I mentioned with Lautaro Martinez, I think it's just the case of how that can function at least until Messi is still there. And and I think that's kind of why I don't see them. I think they're a talented side. I think they could definitely contend for this trophy. I don't see them winning it, in my personal opinion. In but my last, I, why not?
1: I got another question, last one. Yeah. Why is there only two groups? To, like, why are there only two groups in the Copa America? Because uh, get... so there's, yeah.
3: oh. there's not enough countries. There's oh, not enough countries. Technically, there is, but... That's a different story. Uh, yeah, it's it's ten teams of five groups. I'm oh, sorry, ten teams, two groups of five. Top four qualify, and that's where you get your quarterfinals because it's eight teams. That's just how it works there.
1: So, so terrible. I, I don't like that, but it's just me. And <laughs> so, uh, I looked at it. I was like, wow, the Euros is way harder to win. I'm sorry, man. Like the amount of teams you got to beat, the the journey you got to get through, like the line and everything else is like, death. wow. Like yeah. to to get to the actual Euros, everything is just longer. Pro- Oh my God! I, you know what? I, who was it that said that the Euros is the hardest thing to win? Um, well, I,
0: I know I've said it. I, I don't know if I don't know if you're warning me or not, but dude, I've I've gotten some serious heat from uh, from fanboys of, uh, of of South American teams before when I've brought when I've stand for the Euros. I, I've gotten some uh, some
1: unflattering comments. I think the Euros is harder to win than the World Cup, personally. And I think that, and I think it's going to be the most stupid take, probably. Well, um, no, I mean, listen, there, there's
0: something like, to it and, and, and not to say every team in Europe is a powerhouse, but in the World Cup, you're guaranteeing entry to teams from, you know, Asia to teams from, you know, the the Australian continent. So, you know, I, I, CONCACAF, you know, so obviously there are going to be some teams there that aren't really carrying their weight, whereas for the most part. You know, in, in Europe, it's just it's it's a deeper fold. You know, compared to what you get in the World Cup, because you're guaranteeing yeah. spots to teams from continents that don't excel.
1: Tell me what team is really bad in the Euro, honestly. North Macedonia. And, they and, and and they and haven't played bad though. I have to be honest. They haven't played that bad. Know, than, like,
2: in terms of like, yeah, you know,
1: Turkey
2: have probably, probably like, looked like, the worst. Yeah, honestly, Turkey probably. have looked really bad. Yeah.
1: And and, I'll, and you know what? The last thing about that, I'll tell you why Turkey has been so bad. Because they're the youngest team in this league in, in the tournament, and it just yeah. proves that you don't go with an age, an average age of twenty you know, two years call old.
4: Call dial him up real quick because that's what he's been trying to do for two years is run a young team. And then he bad was. man, oh, a good idea to have veterans on my team. That
1: would make some sense. Bad man, that's why Italy actually has a good blend because you got that Bastoni. You got those, like, Barella, Barella. like, they're, the, the transition. Then you happy. got then you got the guys on the crisp of the back end of Cellini, Bonucci. Um, I don't know who else you want to put up. Maybe Immobile is up there, too. You got that veteran experience that blends with the youth that is able to transition to the next World Cup Euros, where they are 26. They got that experience. Now you got the 20-year-olds who can go behind them and you start blending that that journey of the next decade where you can start building that Italy squad um i, I just don't believe when i heard that they were the youngest team against Italy on the opening day i was mm-hmm. like i'm like i mean there's a couple of wow. decent they have 3 okay so three of their players
2: are from Leo who won League 1 as as we mentioned uh you have Selic the right back uh mm-hmm. Yilmaz, and then uh Yaziki you have Chalhanoglu you have a center back pairing of Demiral and Soyanchu, who i mean Demi Rawl not so much, but Soriano has proved himself as a lesser. St- I mean, there's a couple of key players, but the the youthfulness and the the lack of togetherness is from the manager, you know, from picking them and having them not play together has definitely proven to be a huge factor, and they just don't seem like a team. And they did for some reason they were scoring great goals in qualifiers and and, and you know games leading up to the Euros, but on the occasion. I guess it just got to him because of that inexperience. Even though Yilmaz is like 55 years old, you know <laughs> that probably brought up the average more than it should have. But yeah, there's a couple of good players, but they they need a lot of time and, and probably some good managing and experience. I want to give
0: uh, everyone a chance to plug their work before we close out this episode. I'll start with uh, with Austin. Uh, who was just on mic of course uh you know he he and I and Kai were working together on Onside Radio we all do still work together on the Five Reasons Sports Network platform so Austin let people know where they can find you my friend where they can find your work
2: yeah follow me on uh, on Twitter that's where I mostly tweet about soccer slash football things oh, if you want to listen team. and the men's national team sure <laughs> uh at austin Robillard, it's mostly inner miami uh because you know we are south florida based but i go all around the world i do a bunch of stuff at austin Robillard. i'll be contributing a lot more to five reasons sports and i know there's some things upcoming um and i might have a couple of other things in the works too just to create content on a daily basis so uh yeah at austin Robillard on most platforms especially twitter that, that's where you'll find me and with the five reasons sports network awesome. hey, can,
1: can I bounce off the, How is like, working for five reasons because i see this five reason sports network everywhere on my freaking timeline so the the fact
0: that you're seeing it in canada is a good sign that yeah we've got some reach
2: there there is some reach and it's fun it's free-flowing you create the content you want to create you have a lot of people that that tune in it's it's you 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 can't really beat it from time to time exactly yeah You, you can't you can't really beat it it's you get to create the content that you want to and that's that's the best part about it
1: like do you work for is this a place that you actually work for and you like do like radio station and all that or
2: no, that was so the radio station I was with onsite. That was like the actual you know thing. And then that crumbled and now I'm with them. We're <laughs> going to work with something. Um, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do yet, but I'll probably end up having some general football show in the future. Um, it's just working out the, the fine details. I'll, I'll say that to keep it general. Um, but yeah, it's, it's from home. It's nothing that I really have a full commitment to. It's something that you can do in your own time. It doesn't take up too much time. It's all on you. You don't have to really uh, focus too much. I need a day job. I have to actually I have to make real money, you know? Yeah. So it's 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 all up to you and your discretion. And it's no not, not too committal, which is which is nice for me, a young person still growing up in the industry. Yeah, nice, it's, nice.
0: it's nice that in like the last week and a half i haven't had to leave home too much <laughs> it's not been it's not been bad usually i was filling up my car with gas like every three days uh kai kai chenches on mr samurai radio where can people find you
4: well uh you know i've been joking around for the past two weeks saying that i got fired so uh <laughs> you can find me on five reasons Sports network <laughs> as well uh i know uh something's cooking I think that's that's pretty much the most I can say. But you know, something's cooking over at Five Reasons, so things will be happening there. Of course, you can find me on my Twitter at Samurai Radio, and yeah, as you see it there, Uh, And then I'm having a Bundesliga podcast. It'll be it's going to get delayed. I realize that maybe releasing it during. The middle of the Euros was an idiotic idea, so uh, it's going to get delayed until after the Euros. But we'll talk, uh,
0: dude. You should do you should do episodes and uh, and talk Germany and and talk Euros, man. You, you well, can you get see? It started that there's way. Gonna be, uh, I think
4: there's going to be well, you know, something hopefully will happen Saturday to help along with that journey. So we'll nice, uh, we'll see. Although I've been uh, left on red, so uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll find out.
1: Why don't you do, a, do the the journey of Miroslav close because it's during the Euros and like his. <laughs> His banger
4: is in the freaking Euros. Listen, if I do anything on the Euros, the first 30 minutes is going to be me talking about how Joachim Lowe is an idiot for leaving Tomas Muller, Jerome Boateng, and Matt Tomas out for as long as he did to bring a young core that didn't prove anything.
0: I will tune into that.
4: He's too busy so, scratching his it balls. Will be, it will be me yelling and sniffing <laughs> his nose, boogers, whatever, and... I think, look, a quick last statement on that. Like, I think that Hansi Flick definitely helped that World Cup run in 2014. I don't think that Joachim Love is as as idiotic as people believe that he is. I just think that it's time. That's it. It's just time.
0: Amen. What about you, uh, Roberto? Of course, uh, you you do the great pod with our other good friend, Joe Ucello, which we love, the Low Limit Football Pod.
3: and, And you're big with BN Sports as well. Where can people find all your work? Uh, yeah, and again, thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, like you had mentioned, uh, we do a podcast uh, every week with, with uh, my friend Joe called The Little Football. Obviously, Alex has been on. Jerry, you've been on as well. So it's uh, it's something that we do every week, just talk about what's been going on in the world of football from all over the world. Um, you can check us out there at Little Limit Football on Twitter. I also do a, as of course, I do stuff at in Sports as well, and I'm also doing stuff on Paraguayan soccer. So I nice. have a podcast called Guaraní Vision, which is the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan soccer in English. We've been doing it for about a couple of months now, getting a lot of good traction. Obviously, we're talking big in time to Copa America, and we're just trying to give a, a different perspective of what you know that part of soccer is like in that part of the world. And so, yeah, check it, check it out there, Guaraní Vision on Twitter, and on Twitter follow me at Roberto Rojas ninety seven right hey, on that new project. That's awesome. Hook,
1: hook these Thank guys you. up with being sports, man. What's going on?
0: <laughs> Can't say it. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 Got to get the man to put a word in, Jerry. Where where can they find you, man? I, I know you've been uh, you've been working overtime. You're writing about Chiro, Uh You you know you wrote uh, you, you've been writing about Inter a little bit as well, w- which I appreciate. Even though people call you an Interista, I I have your back on that. I know you're a Laziale through and through. What do you have? What are you working on these days?
1: Um, basically about Korea and how if he still has a spot under Maurizio Sorry, I started writing that. I wrote up on the uh, Italy game yesterday. Mm-hmm. I wrote up last week about Romelu Lukaku and how he's been important to Inter. That was a great piece. I like that one. I should have wrote how important he is to freaking Belgium. Never mind. We'll write that one next. <laughs> he is so underrated, but I don't know. But, yeah, just bringing but for Lazio and for um, for uh, serpents and Madanina. Yeah, I – I hope you guys both find a job in your field. I know it's not easy in the sports industry, especially a lot of people here being laid off as well, from TSN to Sportsnet. I know people who work in the industry and been laid off. I work for Frito-Lay, so I've been fortunate where I'm still on the front line. We should I still... be calling
0: you for jobs, man. Forget about, uh, forget about the sports media industry. You got to get me in with freaking Pepsi and Frito-Lay. Get me in somewhere, man.
4: <laughs> I, I personally would love never... Pepsi, man, so –
0: i I, I love doritos
1: (laughs) i would never get into the sports industry maybe 20 years ago i would have um now it's it's a difficult uh industry and i i give props to everybody who who's in it and survives in it because you guys are warriors and it's not easy it's hard especially with the pandemic and not being able to go to games live and being restricted and going online to do like these press conferences. I did it last year with the TFC for world football. As the season progressed, I just became disinterested because it just wasn't the same when you're not at the games live to be interviewing these players, to be there, to, to when you're doing it on a, on a zoom call, it kind of sucks the life out of it personally. Um, I do this for fun i've been fortunate to, to maybe make a little bit of money on it but it's more of a of a passion especially during the pandemic where it kind of gets my mind off stuff being able to write and just kind of calms you right podcasts i don't know how people make money on podcasts i guess if you have like advertisements but I, I find podcasts are more just to have fun and mingle with people right and you you just give all your expertise or whatever but overall yeah i, I hope both of you guys are able to in and Alex too do to, uh venture off to something else. Um on site radio lost out on three good guys. So. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Shout Shout out to to Miami, man. I was Shout listening out. to on site radio, but now <laughs> I have no reason to <laughs> well you can't. You, <laughs> you couldn't listen man. to it even you can't. if you wanted yeah. to <laughs> even if you wanted to try. No wasn't <laughs> I I? Li- what was try. the thing I was listening to every day. Well um, yeah but, and and also, not, now it, it, it,
0: it's off now it's it no longer exists.
1: Oh, it doesn't even exist anymore. No, it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, yeah. those guys fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> what are the tanks? Oh, <laughs> oh man. man, I actually liked the show. It was actually not bad. I actually enjoyed yeah. it. I would watch it every. I watched it on my on my. Um, I have that Roja freaking TV. Where are you? What do you call oh, it?
0: Oh, the Roku thing.
1: Yeah, Roku. Yeah. I used to put you on my TV and I freaking listen. Sometimes you were live. Sometimes you what weren't. Guy. Dude, what a guy. Awesome, we my father, I would watch it too, high. man. Like, hey, is that your is that your co-host you know <laughs> yeah I listen. you know what i like it because i i get so sick of just listening to soccer podcasts, no offense that it's nice to hear something different once in a while and just like venture off i i i get so invested into football that i forget about north american sports of like hockey uh i used to love baseball i'm i'm a i'm a 50 50 guy on that but like I'm like zero on baseball. Zero, zero. If if it's if it's not football for me, it's hockey or basketball. Normally, Um, with football, like American football, there's so much downtime that it pisses me off. Now, (laughs) it's so
2: BS. If it if it wasn't for fantasy football, I probably wouldn't care too much.
4: But fantasy football gets me so so invested. The league, so I don't want to hear it, bro. We'll
1: see. (laughs) Uh, We'll see. I'm a Cowboys fan, so. Oh, so, your God. life has sucked for a while Yeah, life <laughs> my, life, my life sucks big time. I, oh, well, we, we, oh.
0: <laughs> we, we appreciate everybody for tuning in. And make sure, by the way, whether you're watching this live or you watch it later uh, on YouTube, smash the like button, hit the thumbs up button. It does us a huge solid. And uh, for those listening to audio only on the podcast feed, make sure you subscribe, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Google, wherever you get your pods, Podbean, we're available on all the platforms. So huge shout out and thank you again. Uh, you guys can find me, by the way, on Twitter at Alex Dono and at the Five Reasons Sports Network. We're working on some good stuff uh, that we should be able to uh, should be able to announce, I think, in the coming weeks. But work is work is being done, my friend. So huge thanks again to Roberto, to Austin, to Kai, to Jerry. As always, we will talk to you guys again next time, probably after another Azulity victory on another episode of the Caltrio Connection podcast. Ciao.